I'm Fred Winch of Cavayotli Ranch in Moreto, Texas. We're listening to the latest news in Texas, our culture, Texas Ag Today. This is Texas Ag Today, the number one source for the latest news in Texas agriculture. The largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State covers it all. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Here's today's top stories. For those who grow sorghum for silage in the Texas High Plains, male sterile sorghum is becoming more popular. I'm James Hunt and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. We're moving closer to a vaccine for highly pathogenic avian influenza, but it may impact trade. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. More than 6,000 volunteers helped to make the San Antonio Stock Show and Rodeo a huge success. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and we'll learn more straight ahead on Texas Ag Today. Now, here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Why don't you jump on in with me and buckle up? We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. Be sure to hold on tight because it all starts right now. Two Texans were honored at the recent National Cotton Council annual meeting in Orlando. Former Plains Cotton Growers CEO Steve Verrett was given the Oscar Johnson Lifetime Achievement Award. Verrett has served on a long list of cotton industry leadership positions. After his retirement from Plains Cotton Growers, he returned to the farm that he and his brother started in Crosby County, where he now farms cotton, corn, sorghum, and forage crops with his son Christopher. Eddie Smith of Floyd Data was presented the National Cotton Council's Harry S. Baker Distinguished Service Award. The award is presented to an individual who has provided extraordinary service, leadership, and dedication to the cotton industry. Smith is a Texas Tech graduate and has served as a director of the Floyd Data Cooperative Gin, a board member of Plains Cotton Growers, and was elected chairman of Plains Cotton Growers in 2004. Today, he maintains a cotton, cattle, and grain operation near Floyd Data with his father and son. Texas A&M University recently broke ground on a new facility dedicated to veterinary research and outreach in the Rio Grande Valley. According to the university, the nearly $50 million Texas A&M Health Nursing Education and Research Building in McAllen will be home to nursing programs and will serve as a home base for university faculty and students in the School of Veterinary Medicine and Biomedical Sciences. The veterinary medicine unit in the building is intended to serve as an important resource for the school's faculty and students. The building is expected to open for the spring 2026 semester. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Texas corn farmers will soon have another weapon to fight resistant pigweed. The Environmental Protection Agency has approved the use of certain herbicide for corn. Josh Putman is the technical marketing manager for corn herbicides for BASF. He says Sertain was developed to fight resistant weeds like pigweed. 
The key weed species that this product really is providing excellent control of are the two main pigweed species that you just mentioned, uh, palm amaranth and water hemp. But we're also getting really good control of other weed species like giant ragweed. We have really good data to support kochia control, which I know for Texas, kochia can be a big problem, as well as a lot of grass species. But in total, we're controlling or suppressing 79 different broadleaf and grass weeds with this product. Putman says state registrations for the product are pending. Male sterile sorghum is becoming more popular on the Texas High Plains. James Hunt says that's due to the increase in silage production. As spring planting time begins to draw near in the Texas High Plains, we know that a lot of acres in our region will be going to sorghum. Much of that will be for grain sorghum, but if the trend in recent years continues, we'll also see the portion of sorghum being grown for silage continue to rise. Among those who go the silage route, male sterile sorghum is becoming more popular in our area. I asked Brent Bean of the Sorghum Checkoff to tell us about male sterile sorghum. Just as it says, it's male sterile, meaning it doesn't set any grain. And so it goes in and heads out but there's just no grain there. And so what happens is instead of the sugars and all going to make starch in the grain, it just stays in the stalk and you have more soluble carbohydrates. The complaint has always been, well, if you wait too long to harvest that silage sorghum, that grain gets too hard and it just passes through the cow and you don't utilize that starch. Well, this eliminates that because you don't have grain. Again, you're keeping those sugars, that energy in a different form uh, is is what you're doing. Uh, Also for that region, especially north of Amarillo, where they grow a lot of, uh, and south, where they grow a lot of uh, seed sorghum production. That seed sorghum production has to be usually a couple of miles away from another grain sorghum field or a a field that's producing pollen. Well, the male sterile doesn't produce pollen, so you could actually plant it fairly close to a seed production field uh, and not have to worry about that solid sorghum pollen blowing over into your seed production field. So that's one of the advantages and and one reason we're seeing a pickup in those acres. Once again, that was Brent Bean with the Sorghum Checkoff. We'll hear more from Dr. Bean tomorrow. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We're moving closer to a vaccine for highly pathogenic avian influenza, but Jessica Domel says it may impact trade. The nation is another day closer to a vaccine for the highly contagious virus that has led to the deaths of more than 60 million chickens and other poultry. At a recent hearing of the House Committee on Agriculture, U.S. Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack gave an update on a potential vaccine for highly pathogenic avian influenza. I'd say we were probably 18 months or so away from being able to identify a vaccine that would be effective for this particular HPAI that we're dealing with now. The problem, of course, is it mutates. And so you have to basically create ultimately a vaccine that is available for all strains, right? So there, there's that issue. The second issue is how do you how do you deliver the vaccine? Do you deliver it in a way that is efficient and effective and less expensive, or, or is an injection required? Well, when you're talking about hundreds of thousands of birds, that's difficult. So we're trying to develop that process for distributing the vaccine. HPAI has been found in wild birds, backyard flocks, and domestic poultry across the United States. It is often fatal to chickens. And as Congressman Dusty Johnson of South Dakota told the Ag Committee, it is devastating to the poultry industry. And I think it is a terrible situation, just devastating the industry and and devastating to these growers that as of right now, the only real solution when we have an outbreak is a total depop. 
The congressman also asked Vilsack how a vaccine could impact trade. Here's what Vilsack said. We still have work to be done on how to, how to actually administer it, and we are nowhere near being able to do it from a standpoint of the impact of trade. We would have a circumstance where if we vaccinated uh, today, I think we would have a number of our trading partners saying, we're not interested in your, in your chickens. Vilsack said they are committed to having conversations with trade partners about how they feel about the vaccine and what their concerns may be. According to the Texas Animal Health Commission, HPAI is transmitted bird to bird through airborne transmission or indirectly through contaminated equipment. Movement of humans, birds, and equipment, along with exposure to migratory waterfowl, may also spread the virus. USDA says that is why biosecurity at poultry farms is important. Signs and symptoms of avian influenza include sudden death, lack of energy and appetite, decreased egg production, soft-shelled or misshapen eggs, swelling, purple discoloration of the wattles, combs, and legs, nasal discharge, coughing and sneezing, and incoordination. To date, HPAI has been found in every state in the United States but Hawaii. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Stock shows across Texas depend on thousands of volunteers. Tom Nicoletti reports it's the same at the San Antonio Stock Show. It has been a very good attendance year for the San Antonio Stock Show and Rodeo, as the event is winding down its last week. Morgan Thomas is the competitive events manager at the Stock Show. We focus on our mission as being a volunteer organization that emphasizes agriculture and education to develop the youth of Texas. And our stock show is so unique in the way that it's really a family atmosphere and we thrive and we generally rely on our over 6,000 volunteers to help us do what we do. And there's absolutely no way that we'd be able to put on an event without them. And so we're very grateful for all of our volunteers and everything that they do. This week is the end of the show. We're rounding out the past couple of weeks have been very busy, but we have our junior livestock auction coming up this week. Those start on Thursday with poultry, roll into market lambs and goats and barrows. Then our junior livestock auction will round out on Saturday with our market steers. And last year, our junior livestock auction had a total sale of over $6.7 million. And we're hoping to beat that record this year. And that's thanks to the generous support of our donors and contributors that come each and every year to help out these kids because these kids are the future future of the industry. They're the future of the world. And we want to be able to do our part in ensuring that they can go and do whatever they wish to do and not have to worry from a financial standpoint of continuing their education. Visit our website at sarodeo.com and we'd be happy to teach you a little bit more or visit with what we do here at the rodeo. That is Morgan Thomas. She is competitive events manager at the San Antonio Stock Show and Rodeo. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. This is James Duncan in Marshall. Moisture is adequate across the area. The, the winds are down somewhat. Spring produce planting is underway, but it's going to be a little less this year. Livestock markets are really wild. And there's a concern about the nutrition in spring calving beef cows. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up. These stories plus a look at the markets are straight ahead on Texas Ag Today. 
This is National FFA Week, and FFA students across the country are celebrating. I'm National FFA Central Region Vice President Canyon Huntington from Iowa. Many special and safe activities are happening in FFA communities this week. But all year long, FFA members experience education, leadership, service, and personal and professional development as FFA feeds our intellectual growth and curiosity. Celebrate with us and share your FFA stories during hashtag FFA week. He always wanted to be a rodeo clown, but he had to settle for being a radio clown. Here's Carrie Martin with more Texas Ag Today. Good rainfall and high prices are making for a good winter in East Texas. James Duncan has this update from Marshall. In the East Texas area, we're in a more normal winter pattern of rain and wind. So right now, many of our fields are too wet to plow. And as you look around and visit with your major growers, some are cutting back this year. A lot of problems facing watermelon growers and other produce with the wildlife that is in the area are doing great damage. Along with the feral hogs, we have to contend with other factors as well that are normal for us. So we see a reduction in numbers as far as acres are being put into production right now. With all those factors ahead, those of you that can grow, it looks like it'll be a profitable year for you. The livestock market is crazy wild, as one producer put it. See, one day it's way up yonder, next day it's going to be down a few points. But from the outlook of a producer that wants to be in the business, this might be a time for you to look at your neighbor's herds that are thinking about reduction in numbers, because that is happening. So in, rather than waiting till the sale comes along, see if you can't make a deal with your neighbor. Get that herd and the fences that you own so that you keep your production numbers up. Numbers are going to be about along the national level, I think I read a report the other day that we were down about 2% in the beef cow herds over last year. So we're, we're right in that area. And if things will just kind of hold tight, we're going to maintain some of our herds just going to be larger herds and less producers. Another factor that the livestock producer faces is always forage production. So if we go into the spring, if the moisture holds like it is right now and our grass produces, uh, we look like we could have a very good year. In that area now, many of our producers that I have visited with in just the last few weeks, they're buying new equipment. They're getting new equipment. I think maybe some of the laws that are proposed on the tax breaks will help out some there also. But getting new equipment, larger equipment, and getting rid of some of their haying equipment and letting the commercial hay balers do their hay baling for them. That's the attitude it had been for quite some time. I know that's nothing new, but right now it seems a very viable management tool to be used. Get that bigger tractor if you're going to be operating your place by yourself or with limited help, a larger tractor to help you get your cattle fed quicker in the wintertime and other aspects that need to be done around the farm. Then make the deal with your neighbor, as I said. Get that herd in your fences. Don't let the cattle go. Looks like the bright outlook for the future in the beef cattle industry. We hope it holds that way and hope it works out that way for you. Those are just some of the things that we think about this time of the year as we're still making marketing plans in the livestock industry as well as the uh, produce growers around. We still have time to get plenty of watermelons planted. Be sure to take care of your peach trees as they're beginning to get ready to start treatment and maybe you'll have that good crop this year as well. So we're just looking forward to a bright spring here in the East Texas area. This is James Duncan reporting from East Texas for Texas Ag Today. There is a concern about nutrition in spring calving beef cows. 
Dr. Bob Judd says it goes back to the drought we had last summer. Some producers had to feed hay last summer and fall due to the drought and have less hay for the winter. And although some producers have plenty of hay, we have to be concerned with the quality of the hay that was baled in a drought. The Extension Service in Georgia indicates some producers have been considering restricting feed in the last trimester of pregnancy to decrease calf birth weights and have less calving problems. Although this will decrease calf birth weights, this is not the only thing that it will affect. Recent research has focused on fetal programming, and this is the concept that maternal stimulus or insult during fetal development has long-term consequences of the offspring. One of the most critical aspects of fetal programming involves adequate nutrition of the dam, as decreased nutrition has minimal impact on calf birth weights, but restricted nutrition during the last trimester decreased winning weights, finishing weights, and hot carcass weights. Some folks feel the cattle need more protein than is supplied by hay, but a study on Bermuda grass and fescue hay samples in Georgia indicated the hay contained plenty of protein but was lacking energy. For this reason, it is critical to have your hay tested. It is inexpensive, and without it, you are guessing about supplementation. In this case, ranchers were supplementing protein when the cattle actually did not need it, but needed energy. So restricting nutrition in the last trimester has been shown to have little effect on calf birth weight, but major effect on the future performance of the calf. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We'll check the markets coming up next on Texas Ag Today. This is National FFA Week, and FFA students across the country are celebrating. I'm National FFA Eastern Region Vice President Morgan Anderson from Ohio. Many special and safe activities are happening in FFA communities this week, but all year long, FFA members experience education, leadership, service, and personal and professional development as FFA feeds our intellectual growth and curiosity. Celebrate with us and share your FFA stories during hashtag FFA Week. We're heard on over 140 great Texas radio stations. This is Texas Ag Today on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Let's take a look back at how the market's wrapped up on Wednesday. We'll start with the cattle complex where we close mostly higher. The nearby contracts were the lower ones on live cattle. That's the February. It's about to go off the board. Light volume contract. It was down 42 cents Wednesday, closing at 183.97. The April up 37, 187.70. June up 35, 183.30. Feeder cattle mostly higher. March contract, the nearby was down 2 cents, 251.35. The April up 57, 255.92. With May feeders up a dollar, 259.12. Cash fed cattle still quiet for the week. We didn't see any sales reported on Wednesday. Looks like our feedlots here in the Southern Plains asking 184 to 185, but we're not seeing any bids yet from the Packers. Boxed beef was mixed, choice up 84 cents, 298.21, select down 250 at 285.32. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pins with Larry Marble. Phil Brock and Bush getting livestock. How was your Monday sale? Man, it wound up good, Larry. Uh, we wound up with seventeen forty-seven total. Uh, we had uh, three hundred sixty-six sellers and seventy-two buyers on a really good market. I mean, that, that old calf deal. It, it seems like it just gets better every day. Well, let's hope it continues. Let's tell folks how good it went. All right, your steers three hundred and back average three eighteen brought up to four ten. Three to four weights three hundred five to four ten. Four to five weights two ninety to three forty. Five to six weights two sixty-six to three twenty. Six to seven 
weights, two forty two and a half to three dollars. Seven to eight weights, two ten to two thirty seven and a half. Your heifer mates, three hundred back average, two two eighty seven brought up to three thirty five. Three to four weights, two ninety one to three fifty five. Four to five weights, two seventy to three twenty. Five to six weights, two fifty one to two ninety. Six to seven weights, two twenty eight to two sixty. Seven to eight weights, one eighty five to two twenty. Uh, your bull yearlings, seven to eight hundred fifty pounds, one seventy to two thirty five. Eight hundred fifty to a thousand pounds, one twenty five to two twenty. Uh, the the packer bulls, your high yielding bulls, one twenty five to one forty. Medium yielding bulls, a dollar to a dollar twenty. The cows, high yielding cows, a dollar to a dollar twenty two. Medium yielding cows, eighty five to ninety five. Little thin cows, forty five to eighty. Uh, we sold a few little old pairs. They brought from twenty one hundred to twenty five hundred. And the bred cows from five hundred to sixteen seventy five. So and it's it's pretty good. You know, we had I told we had a steer the other day. You know, he weighed six forty or so and bring three bucks. That's nineteen hundred and twenty dollars. I think so. Right. Pretty darn good. Sure is. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Phil. Yes, sir. You can call me at 979-716-4395 or call the barn at 979-542-2274. Neighbor, that's it for Walking the Pins. Thanks so much for listening to us here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Good day to you. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs finished higher. April hogs up 30 cents, 85.97. May up 35 at 89.35. Class 3 milk closed higher. The nearby February up a penny, 16, 19, 100 weight, with March milk up 14, 17, 13, 100. Cotton regained a big chunk of the losses that we saw on Tuesday. March cotton up 141 points, 92.60. May up 154, 93.23. December new crop cotton up 39, 83.37. Corn hitting another contract low on Wednesday. Looking at Brazil, weather there seems to be mostly beneficial for the corn crop there. Argentina and southern Brazil could use some more rain, but corn planting in Brazil continues to move along at a quick pace. No real fundamental news to keep a floor under our markets. So March dropped seven and three quarters, four eleven a bushel. May corn down eight and a quarter, four twenty-four and a quarter. September down seven, four forty-three and three quarters. Wheat continues to drop lower. Russia and Ukraine have big stocks. They're selling it on the world market at a cheap price. Same thing we've been seeing for the last few weeks. Continues to pressure our wheat market. March Kansas City wheat down eight and a half, five seventy-seven and a quarter. New crop July down four and three quarters at five sixty-eight. July Chicago wheat down two at five seventy-eight a bushel. In the energy markets, March natural gas up nineteen cents, dollar seventy-six. April West Texas crude up 99.7803 a barrel. The financial markets mixed Wednesday afternoon. The Dow up 13 points, 38,577. The Nasdaq down 63, 15,567. With the S&P up 1, 4,977. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for joining us for Texas Ag Today. Be sure to follow the Texas Ag Today podcast found wherever you listen to podcasts. For more Texas farm and ranch news, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.